Hello and welcome to the Digital PR Podcast, a podcast that will cover the big talking points of the digital PR industry. My name is Steve Baker and this is Louise Parker. Hello. We both work at digital marketing agency Propellernet and we've both been working in digital PR for a long time. Nearly a decade for you, Lou, right? Yep, that's right. And over a decade for me now. In the last few years, we've seen the digital PR industry explode and with that has come a lot of interesting conversations about how the discipline works and where it's going. From creativity to relevance to burnout, this podcast will cover the subjects that everyone is talking about with the help of some very special guests. If you're on SEO or digital PR Twitter, then you'll be well aware of our next guest. Mark Rofe is a digital PR who is currently working freelance, and he has recently published the start of an online digital PR course. But he's also the seller of Christmas trees, was the face of a billboard he purchased to find himself a girlfriend, and the creator of The Wank Sock. He's an interesting guy with an interesting brain, and we couldn't think of anyone better to talk about creativity and ideas with. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, that's that's a great intro. Thank you so much. Oh, um, yeah, and thank you for having me on the podcast. Ah, oh, cheers. I had to pick the stuff that I was going to reference because you've done a lot of very interesting things over the years. Um, so yeah, I, I picked my favourites out for the intro. No, I think you did good there. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, and I, I couldn't, because we've never actually spoken, I couldn't wait to meet you because I, I follow you on Twitter. I see all the stuff you're up to. I know you've like, you know, been in touch with Lou about like various digital PR talking points. So genuinely, I'm not just saying this, when we started the podcast, your name was the first one mentioned as the, we're going to say this to all the guests, obviously, but genuinely for you, <laughs> you were the first person we wanted on. So thank you so much for coming on, Mark. Oh, thanks. Thanks again for having me. I think, you know, it just shows that if you're really annoying on Twitter, that these are some of the opportunities that, you know, that, you, that can come by. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, Lou's made a career out of it as well. <laughs> so, um, Mark, let's start with an existential question. And do feel free to refer to yourself in the third person here. But who is Mark Rofe? I think I would describe myself as perhaps a little bit of a internet prankster that's kind of just maybe fallen a little bit into digital PR and is able to kind of use that, you know, to, to sell Christmas trees on the internet. Nice. Okay, nice. Like so a, an internet prankster that kind of fell into digital PR and then the Christmas tree thing sort of... Yeah. I think like anyone who's worked in digital PR for a few years probably fell into it. I fell into I, it. Yeah. I mean, me too. Not yeah. now. I feel like people might actually pick it out as a career, but back in the day, yeah. you just kind of ended up doing <laughs> it. <laughs> We're kind of old timers, really, aren't we, all of us? We're established. Yeah. Yeah, we are a little bit, aren't we? Actually, I looked on your LinkedIn um, just to get a little bit of info about yourself before we did this. I actually didn't realise all the different places that you'd worked. <laughs> like loads of in-house places yeah. that I had no idea about. Like I basically kind of became aware of you more so when you started at Rise at Seven. But yeah, before that, you've been loads of places. Yeah, I've, I've worked at a few places. I think, um, I don't really know why the reason, I've, I've kind of moved about a lot. So I'm in Barcelona at the moment and then I lived in Dubai before um, and then in London as well. So I think that kind of has a little bit to do with it but I think especially earlier on in my career I was just wanting to get a little bit of a taste for all the different marketing channels really so um, I've taken roles where I was looking after affiliate programs and I've taken roles where I was working across like Facebook ads and PPC and yeah SEO and uh, email marketing so I've, I've kind of done a little bit of everything but 
the digital PR side of things is something that interests me the most. And I think I think that's where all the fun is as well, to be honest with you. I would agree. I would agree as well, because we've sort of dipped into like other areas or certainly like understand other areas but digital PR is where the and, and obviously this this particular podcast is all about creativity but there's a lot of creativity in digital PR which is is kind of what we wanted to yeah what we wanted to talk to you about um because like you you've had great experience in kind of creative ideas and campaigns but and and as we said in the intro like it was quite difficult to pick out some of the things that you've worked on, because there are so many, but can, like, tell us about some of your favourites. Tell us about some creative ideas, campaigns you've been a part of that you're either particularly proud of. They don't have to have gone particularly well, just ones that you love the idea yeah. of or like that, yeah, you want to talk about. I'm, I'm probably going to pick out ones that that I did, um, probably for, for myself, to be honest. But I think, yeah, I'd, I'd, what I've been doing at kind of very you know, purely by accident, really, was just, I would just have a stupid idea or maybe an idea that I thought was funny because I like to think I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> and then I would just kind of go ahead and just do them. And, you know, maybe they'll kind of, sometimes they pick up a bit of coverage. Like one of the, one of the ones I did before is like I did edit my ex where you would just upload a photo of yourself with your ex. And I would, you know, you, you'd pay a little bit of money and it would basically Photoshop it so that your ex wasn't in the photo anymore. And that was one of the first things I did that, you know, got a little bit of coverage and I ended up on like Japanese TV of kind of like, of, of, of all places. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, and more recently, I think, you know, I just thought it would be funny if uh, I did this with a bunch of people, actually some people in, in the PR industry, um, rented the domain name liar.co.uk and then redirected it to Boris Johnson's Wikipedia page when, when he was prime minister. Very nice. So I guess that's what I meant when I said earlier, like, um, as a little bit of like an internet kind of prankster. And I guess these weren't really campaigns that I did, um, you know, for either for myself or for a client. They were just kind of silly things that I just wanted to do and I just ran with it. I remember the edit edit my ex thing or edit your ex. Like, where did that kind of come from? Because you are you are funny. You amuse both of us on Twitter and yeah. the whole team at Propeller yeah, and lots of people that we know. But like, is it is it kind of important to you to sort of just try things? Because you seem like someone who's really comfortable just putting stuff out there, like trying things and, and seeing if it amuses people, like what sticks. I mean that in the nicest possible way. Yeah, so I think for me, and it just it just kind of happens over time, I guess. Like if I say something or I notice something and it gets a reaction, and it tends to be, you know, if, if it gets like a cheap laugh, like if you're in the pub <laughs> or something like that, I'm like, oh, hang on. There, there maybe is something there you know why did that person find that funny is there something I can do with that you know to to turn it into something and so with the edit my ex one at, at the time you know I was uh I was single and I was on the dating app and I can't remember exactly what I did but I think I photoshopped it, was, it sounds a bit creepy now I say this <laughs> here we go it was a different time this, this, this girl sent me a photo of herself and I just thought like I would send a photo of it back to her, but with me kind of photoshopped next to her, so it was like it looked like a couple photo of, of me and her. Okay. And oh wow, that is creepy. Thankfully, she found it. Thankfully, she found it funny. <laughs> and then I just thought, oh, like, but I wonder how many people have this problem. Um, it got me thinking of basically like having their exes in their photos. You know, maybe you've gone to a wedding or something, and um, you, you know, like of, of a good friend, and then you've got these photos with your ex who you're kind of not with anymore. And so I just made that website 
And the, the key thing was launching it like kind of close to Valentine's when people were already talking about like relationships and journalists were already looking for stories around like love. And I think that kind of helped it get a little bit of pickup. I wouldn't say it went like viral or anything, but um, got on TV. yeah, it got some pickup. Not bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you, um, obviously you say that, you know, you think you're funny. I think you're funny. I will give you that. But, um, (laughs) but do you find it harder doing creative ideas if the subject matter is more serious or if, you know, you need to be achieving something a bit more, you know, might be about the environment or it might be about something, you know, health or something like that. Like, is that slightly more challenging for you if you can't rely on the humour side? Yeah, it definitely changes things for sure. Like if you're doing like a a serious topic, it's not always going to make sense to do something that's going to provoke that sort of reaction if it's like a stunt. But I think you can find other ways um, around it. So, yeah, I I think, you know, it's not always going to be suitable. It really does depend on on the type of client you've got. And also if it's a big company, they tend to be quite risk averse, so they don't like to do anything brave or bold like that. Or some some of them do, but uh, a lot of them won't. Yeah, because I guess that's when it's different. When you're doing your own stuff, you can just do whatever you feel comfortable with, which could be 100%, anything. <laughs> yeah. So like, what, what I do have the on my phone is that when I do think of something that's like, oh, that that's that's quite amusing, or that's quite like, you know, I think there's something kind of in that. I'll just write it down as a note on my phone, so that when it comes to like. Uh, an ideation for a client I will just look through my phone and be like oh I wonder if any of these ideas that I thought were kind of funny or you know there's something in that in the past could be applicable to this client here which in some ways is kind of a backwards way to do it because I've got the idea but I don't have the the client to fit it to yet but um but yeah I'll do that sometimes and sometimes it can kind of work um like that but sometimes I've got ideas on there that are just still haven't got any anyone or anything that I can kind of apply it to and <laughs> something I just won't be able to probably ever. When do you have these ideas? Like, do they just sort of pop into your head? Is it like at a specific time of day? I know a lot of people talk about, oh, it's when I'm in the shower or it's when, like when I'm at night, but I find they can just pop up at any time, like at any given point, you've just got to get them down. Yeah, I think that's true. I think they, they can come at any point, but I think probably harder to do so when you maybe you're more stressed or maybe you're under time constraints or under deadlines or things like that I think it it's when you you know you can be a little bit more relaxed that probably more easily then you know just pop into your head but yeah they they really do just come from anywhere and I think it just comes from in my opinion just kind of being a little bit curious but also kind of observational and just noticing the things that are going going on around you um one thing that I say is that um ideas you know, they're not fueled by creativity, but they're, they're kind of fueled by consumption. And I guess what I mean by that is that, you know, if you just consume the news and what people are watching on TV, understand their behaviours, you know, what makes people react, what's going on in the industry, um, and then consuming campaigns that work, that, that's kind of what I mean by consumption. And then, automatically I think it's going to be far easier for you to think of ideas yeah I totally agree like I I used to say that I wasn't creative because my way of coming up with ideas was often basically just what you described through that kind of consumption and I felt like I was cheating because I felt like I was kind of engineering it to be like oh what would how you know what is popular at the moment and what do people want to talk about and how would a journalist want to talk about it and I was kind of like working from that way Mm. 
Um, and some, I'm sure some people don't work in that way. And it's just different ways, I guess, brains function. Um, but yeah, now I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm well, fun. One, I feel validated because you've said that that's fine. Um, but it, it's just a different way of like getting to that creative idea you don't have to be some kind of like maverick artistic person who's suddenly struck yeah. by something like you can get to the idea in a in a different way I think if you've got those like I agree because if you've got those it's almost impossible unless you've got those kind of cultural reference points like wherever you get them from whether it's the news or film or music yeah. like you need to kind of have a know what's kind of current or like yeah. the background of things and it's not about I'm interested in what you said about time pressure as well, because that is rife in the industry. But we kind of almost, something we talk quite a lot about as an agency, like how do you carve out more time to come up with the best ideas? Because often it's like, right, we've got X amount of days and we know the background and all of that. But then you're sort of like, right, we've got to come up with ideas. And as soon as you say we've got to come up with ideas, that almost puts a, a bit of a blocker on. I think almost a better way of doing it would be like, right, we know the industries we work in. Let's kind of constantly come up with ideas that we think would work for that industry. It's, it's such a tricky one. I kind of, Mark, I wanted to go back to the beginning, not of your life. That would be absurd for this <laughs> podcast, but yeah. just back to the beginning of creativity and just ask, like, because you say, like, ideas don't necessarily come from creativity, but from consumption. But, like, for you, what is creativity? Like, what does it, I know it's quite a big question, but what is creativity? What does it actually mean to you? Yeah, I think that's a really tough question. I think, um, so for me, I think creativity in terms of PR, you know, it, it's something that's original and then, you know, it makes you feel something, um, but then it makes you think differently about uh, whatever it is. So I, I think that's the best way that I would kind of describe it. Originality is really interesting because we, we kind of wanted to touch on that probably in a little bit because there's, you know, digital PR industry, it's kind of, it's, it's booming, it's exploding yeah. and there's, there's a lot of saturation of different types of ideas and formats etc um but like Lou I know you were quite interested in something we talk about quite a lot like kind of how important creativity actually is yeah. for digital PR because I, I guess you know digital PR I don't know if anyone everyone would agree with this but did start out from link building basically you know it's a mix of the PR and the SEO kind of industries and how they can benefit each other um and link building traditionally, it was not the most creative necessarily. No. People think of infographics maybe. Um, and at the time, yeah. it's probably a very creative way of getting links. But as things get kind of done over and over again, it starts to maybe not seem as creative. And now you've got agencies who are um, in moving away from maybe data ideas and they're um, doing yeah all sorts of different things to be able to get PR coverage and then also to be able to get links as well. Do you think that that is an important part of the digital PR industry and the cre- that kind of creative freedom that you can have and that people are kind of talking about more now? So I think that you're right with what you're saying. And, and I think that the industry is becoming basically less creative. Um, you know, I remember seeing maybe just five or six years ago, these these amazing, like massive and uh, you know, data campaigns that clearly took a lot of time to do and were probably a little bit costly as well. But I think the reason for what we're seeing in the industry, uh, and I think it's a gradual change that's been happening over the years, is the, um, the, the move towards digital PR or rather links from digital PR is becoming more productized. 
And when that happens for me, I very much see it as sort of a race to the bottom. Like who can get the links in the cheapest and not just the cheapest, but who can do it consistently too. And I think what happens then is you get mass produced campaigns, you know, conveyor belt campaigns, which all look the same as each other. And I don't think you can scale creativity. And, you know, I, I think more competition means that you have to have a higher success rate with your campaigns. And I think this is maybe stifling creativity because maybe you decide not to do that crazy idea you have and go with that safe one that, you know, was definitely going to get a little bit of pickup. And I take your point that I think digital PR was, you know, perhaps born out of kind of link building. But I think what we're seeing now is sort of like link builders disguised as digital PRs coming into the industry. And you can tell the difference between the two because for the link builders, there's there's no consideration for brand at all. You know, it's do whatever it takes to get that link. Uh, for example, you know, I saw a campaign recently for a gambling website that put out a piece on the cost of living crisis. And, you know, I thought that was, that was quite distasteful actually. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, a digital PR with even a, you know, a, a minuscule kind of consideration for brand wouldn't have put a piece out like that. And basically, I think SEOs are kind of coming in and ruining things, basically, <laughs> uh, with the objectively bad campaigns or spam campaigns, or, or as I'd like to call them. But what I would say that in, in fairness to those who do come from an SEO background is some of the work they do with data, you know, it, it's really good and, and it is really creative. And in some instances... They're perhaps behaving like a data journalist would, you know, and I think there's real value in that. But I think the, I think the cure for these spammy campaigns is spammy campaigns. And what I mean by that is as it becomes more saturated, I won't say it will stop working, but they'll become less effective. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, you know, we're going to see less of them. And I feel like we've sort of been here, like you kind of said, um, you know, with infographics maybe 10, 10 or so years ago. And, you know, if, if campaigns can be scaled or repeated easily, they don't give you a competitive edge in the long term. So I think that's why creativity is important and will become more important because this is what's going to give you that edge. Um, you know, what's that saying? Um, the cream always rises to the top. Mm-hmm. So I think that's basically how I see things as they are and how things are going to be in the future and yeah i really do see creativity as as your usp basically do you think that there's a the potential for like the digital pr industry so so a kind of part of the industry which does have links and seo as part of it do you think it could ever be considered as creative as like consumer pr like traditional pr advertising do you think there's room for that level of like creativity and the respect that that gets um I think, yeah, I think it's just been creative in a different way. So like I kind of mentioned there that, you know, I didn't, I don't want to paint like SEOs as in, in a bad light there, because like I said, they do some really good work. Like I think having them in the industry with some of the data pieces that they've worked on, you know, has been really good. I'd imagine, and I don't know who did the first one, by the way, but the first Instagrammable campaign was probably a massive hit. And I w- would imagine that's probably come from someone, um, you know, that perhaps is a data or, SEO background or whatever, rather than I would imagine, you know, a, a traditional PR background. So I think there is room to kind of be creative, but I just think it's just doing it in a in a different way. And even some of the campaigns that you've worked on at Propellernet, you know, you've you've started including some video ones. I think was there one where you just like uh, 
smashed up a bunch of stuff like a, a car scrap um yes yeah yeah heap or something yeah, yeah. Rage to, yeah, yeah, Rage to release your pent-up frustration about 2020 yeah. you could go and smash up a bunch of cars basically mm. but yeah there was an amazing like a really well i mean i didn't work on it so i can i can wax lyrical about it so i can say a really great uh video that was accompanying with it um so yeah i mean that is something that we are particularly proud of but then you know we do fit sometimes feel that pressure of like oh but should we go with something a bit safe you mm. know should we go with something that we know is going to work and all this kind of stuff and it's it is yeah. tricky with it, especially when you're in an agency you've got so many clients who are doing maybe a campaign every month or a campaign every two months mm. that's a lot of campaigns to be putting out um but yeah and you said that kind of thing yeah. it's like that kind of um need to be hitting your targets and stuff like that can stifle your creativity sometimes or make you feel less confident about it yeah, exactly that. But I think sometimes you need to be kind of bold and brave and go for those creative ones. And you know what? Sometimes they're just not going to work. But when they do work, I imagine they're going to work really well. So it's just kind of, it's a really hard thing to do. And I'm not working at an agency. So it's really easy for me to kind of say this because I don't work in one. But like, you know, I think it just clients maybe need to be aware of that. Hey, sometimes they're not always going to work. Um if you're going to do something that's kind of creative, but hey, when it does, we imagine it's going to work really well. Yeah. But it's easy to just fall back and do that. Hey, let's do these safe ones that we know are just going to, are not going to go do amazingly well, but it's going to get us a little bit of pickup and it's going to be consistent. And maybe there's a there's a balance of having a little bit of both in the mixture to kind of even things out a little bit. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think you know we talk about that a fair amount, but it's we we always like to push creativity as as like far as we we possibly can but and I'm in total agreement that I think creativity is kind of digital PR industry is creative can be creative and sort of needs creativity more than ever so it's not falling yeah. back on the same formats but I'm interested in your views on like how we get there like is it is it more because I would argue it's more time to come up with ideas and to really think them through it's also about working with your clients or to sort of explain, okay, in exactly the way you've just described, like there's there's a risk here, you know, this isn't safe, this is yeah. on brand, this is interesting, it's saying something new, it's original, but yeah, it's there's a risk, it's because people haven't seen something like this before, like the Rage Yard example you mentioned, that was a risk, because yeah. it was quite a an arduous exactly. one to create in the sense like, you know, you had to like hire a field and tanks and like stuff to, you know, smash up yeah. cars. And then you're like, well, if we get to it and like no one covers it, then it feels like a massive failure. But thankfully, loads of people covered it. But I would argue that even if no one covered it, you've sort of learnt quite a lot. But it's finding people to sort of to yes. share that risk with you and kind of understand that these things can happen. Because we're in an industry where you, yeah, there is demands on like time and guarantees and things like that. And and yeah, you, you can't really guarantee anything at all ever. No, you, you can't. And, and I think, you know, there's always a balance between, you know, doing something super creative just to be creative and, and kind of doing something that works. And really you want to be, you know, somewhere in the middle, it's creative and it works because sometimes you can get these super creative campaigns and, you know, it's a, it's a bit like art. Like, I just don't get it yeah. sometimes, you know. And, okay, someone can tell me it's super creative, but if I don't get it, it's, you know, it kind of didn't really work on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's okay to maybe do something like that as, you know, as long as, like you said, you, you learn from it. And, um, 
and maybe you could do something like that again, but a little bit different so that it kind of does work or, um, yeah, if, if you understand what I do. the point I'm trying to make. I do. I, I think the point I was making with the, the sort of, I'm always keen not to see things as like absolute failures if they don't sort of deliver like the coverage yeah. that you expect because although coverage and, and in our industry like links are, are kind of the you know the end goal you want to be getting great coverage that speaks to the right audience and raises awareness of the brand in yeah. the right way but also those links to benefit SEO we know that that's the blend but if something doesn't work it's like well there are a multitude of reasons why that could be and actually we still created something that we sort of believed in, interesting, great. And it's it's a really fine line because obviously you don't want to turn around to a client and go, oh, actually, no, it's a roaring success. Like, I'm not saying that, but it's just that kind of feeling for yourself, for the team. It's like you, you got to try things, I think, to be to be truly creative. You can't just kind of go, well, here's all the formats that work. So we're just going to yeah. pick a format and sort of pick an idea or, or rehash things. And yeah, fair enough, we do a bit of that like in terms of like we we look We've at things got that our have classics worked. we got our classics of course <laughs> but to be i don't know if you'd agree mark but like to be truly creative you do have to kind of push boundaries a little bit not in like a really extreme way but just kind of yeah just try something a little different that people haven't seen before yeah definitely and, and i think you can kind of sometimes almost do that within formats actually so like you could have a standard format which everyone does but if you just add a little bit or you know give it a little bit of a twist, suddenly it becomes a little bit different. And okay, it's not, I wouldn't call it super creative, but you know, it's been, it, it, it now is giving something extra that, and that compared to others that we'd seen before. And one example of that, I think it may have even been possibly one of yours that you worked on, but it was like, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was most Instagrammable bathroom campaigns, but it was to do with like hotels Mm-hmm. So like oh I know um, that that was uh, yeah that's I prospect um, but it was when I worked there but I can't take any uh, I think that's what I'm yeah so I'm I, I think that's what I was thinking yeah so <laughs> so shout out to I prospect for that it was one yes, that you it did nicely yeah it was one that, okay so it was one you worked that's probably what I was thinking so like okay it's an Instagrammable campaign format but now actually what they did I should give a bit of context is they they worked out the most Instagrammable hotel bathrooms and worked out the price per night to stay at these hotels and then basically worked out how many likes you would get per you know for the cost of staying a night there and okay i'm not going to say it was like super creative but again it but it used that format and it just gave something a little bit extra just something a little bit different that maybe hadn't been seen before and that's kind of what i mean when i say that you know you could maybe be a little bit more creative with with some of these kind of campaign formats that um if you, if you do use them i think also that's really good advice for someone who's like maybe starting out coming up with ideas because it you know imagine if you've never gone into an ideas brainstorm before or anything like that to suddenly pluck something that's never been done before you have like you know no evidence that it works or anything like that like that's it would be very impressive but it's also maybe a bit scary but yet to take something which you've seen kind of bubbling away you know does well but you've kind of added that edge to it it's probably really great advice for someone who is new to the industry to be able to just try it out and like the sense of pride you'd get when you see it working and it's okay if it doesn't but hopefully it does work um would be like really positive like make you feel really confident and you can like start to stretch your creativity from then on exactly like you just said it's just you know seeing something it's really hard to come up with something truly original and all we're really doing a lot of the time is taking an an existing idea um 
giving it a little bit of a twist uh, to create kind of a new idea, basically. Well, I was going to, um, I mean, you mentioned about uh, your your creative process in the sense of um, keeping a note of ideas that just pop into your brain yeah. and you haven't got the right kind of client for. Um, but in general, like, you know, when you get told, OK, you need to come up with ideas. So you haven't maybe got the luxury of um, time of months to be able to jot something down and maybe you haven't got something in your list that suits. It is really kind of starting from refresh. You need to come up with some ideas. Where do you start? Like, you know, where, what's the first port of call for you when it coming up with ideas? Yeah. So what I'd say is like, for me, when, whenever I'm looking for ideas or, you know, I'm trying to be creative, I actually find it quite unhelpful <clears throat> when people say things like think outside of the box, because I'm just like, well, what the hell does that mean? Like, that's not going to help me. That's not going to help me at all. Or, you know, like, like we said earlier, th- these things can be helpful, you know, like go for a walk or take a shower. But that's not, that's not really giving me the thought process in terms of how to actually come up with an idea. So I think for me, uh, one of the ways that, one of the ways that I'd like to come up with ideas is to really understand the problems that are taking place with the client that you've got. And basically try and come up with a solution to that problem. And that solution could be sort of fun or playful. For example, I saw that Duolingo did a campaign earlier this year. I thought it was so funny, actually, that they offered a service where if you have a tattoo that was incorrectly like translated, that they would um, translate it for you for free if it was like incorrect and also pay for you to have the tattoo fixed. You know, maybe you've got a tattoo in Japanese that isn't translated into whatever it was that you thought it was, that they'd offer to, you know, get that fixed for you for free. And I think for me, that's an example of finding a problem that is sort of happening in your industry. You know, they're, they're translation apps, so there's, there's kind of some relevancy there. And then just coming up with a fun or playful idea to kind of fix it. Or if you can't do the fun or playful idea <clears throat> to solve that problem, you could always just maybe try and do like a, a little bit of a, uh, a hack or, or even a product stunt. So, for example, with, with Christmas trees, um, I noticed that a lot of people, this is a problem for people that, who have cats, they haven't cat-proofed their Christmas tree. So I decided to launch a cat-proof Christmas tree, which is basically a normal Christmas tree, but with the lower branches cut off. And, you know, I think that's the fun or playful solution there. But equally, I could have gone down the other side and been, you know, given some expertise on being like, if you want a cat proof your Christmas tree, this is what you need to do. And the cat's going to not go near it. And so I would just basically start off with finding any problems in the industry that you can try and solve in a creative way or, you know, in a, or if not with tips or hacks. Or if you find that you have a problem that you can't solve, maybe just highlight that with data. So, for example, I had someone uh, approach me and they said, oh, we've got like a hearing aids um, uh, brand and we need to think of ideas for that. And I said, right, you need to try and find some problems in this industry that maybe you can kind of solve. And it's not going to be appropriate to do a like a stunt here. You know, it's, it's like, like we said, touching upon earlier, you know, it's too much of a serious subject. And I remember one time trying to cancel a subscription that I had um, online and, you know, I had to call up to do it. And I was like, this is probably going to be a massive problem for, for people that, you know, that are deaf or kind of hard of hearing. And obviously that, that's not a problem that can be solved with any tips or anything like that. So I said, why don't you go out 
and basically find the places that people have, have subscribed to, you know, what software, whatever it is at the most, and then just kind of look at the data for maybe the top 100 and see which ones you actually have to call to kind of um, to cancel. And then you could highlight that problem with data and be like, you know, X percent of people, uh, you know, you have to call up to cancel and, and, and why it's bad for deaf or hard of hearing people, etc. So that's kind of, I hope that kind of answers the question. Basically, yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to find problems really in, in, in the industry. I love that. I love that. Uh, the example you've given, the, the kind of the problem solution or, or the kind of the thing that only they, that brand can really sort of comment on or talk about or create with kind of confidence and like you've given a few examples of of how people can take that forward and and also the the appropriateness as well like I love the fact that you you think about that because I think yeah when when people are trying to be creative I mean for example what I do just almost clear my head I see like a brief and then I just I throw everything that first comes to mind on paper just scribble it down and then kind of you know tend to like go for what really think about it but I think similar, like it's not, not appropriate. It's a serious subject. So we can't, you know, do like a big sort of silly yeah. stunt necessarily, or maybe data is appropriate because we don't have the budget maybe to create a solution to for this problem. So no, I think that's, that's bang on is really good advice for people, well, new or even established in the industry. I, I think like doing this course has been really helpful for that because I think when you work in this industry, you kind of just do this naturally. And you're not thinking, okay, how did I come up with that idea or why does that idea work? And it's just trying to connect, you know, try to come up with that thought process of like, oh, okay, actually all I'm really doing here is just trying to solve problems in a fun way, trying to solve problems with hacks or give my expertise or highlight problems. It basically, because when you do that, the reason that it kind of works is often, you know, it's getting that emotional reaction. You do any of those things and that's what's going to make the campaign work. It's yeah, exactly. It's like, what is someone gonna say to their friend? Like, oh, you know that annoying thing that you always say. Have you seen what X brand has done? Or um, oh, like you know, I know your friend is hard of hearing. Like, I saw this campaign, which said, isn't this surprising that this yes. issue is the fact? Like, it's the stuff that I think you mentioned before. Like, elicits like a response, whether it's humor or um, like annoyance or you know, you're just like up in arms about something like that's good. Like that's you've you've kind of poked the bear a bit and yeah. like got something and that's going to be memorable and shareable. Oh, I, I t- you know, for, for something to divide opinion is really, really good. I kind of I, I love it. I know some clients and people kind of worry when they get negative comments on social media about a campaign or, you know, in the comment section where they've got coverage. For me, that's a good thing. It shows that you've kind of yeah. you've touched on something and people are like engaging with it rather than it just being for want of a better phrase, like vanilla and sort of yeah. like, oh, ho-hum, you know, it's all right. But you you want some exactly, sort yeah. of, not maybe like a strong emotional reaction, but just something that people can react to. Um, you, Mark, you've referenced a, a few already. Um, and I just, I'm interested if there's any others and it doesn't have to be in digital PR specifically. It can be in advertising or, or kind of, you know, traditional PR, whatever you want really. But yeah. any examples of creative campaigns that you, uh, when I noted down this question, sort of said that you like and why, but actually let's let's up the game that you absolutely love. You mentioned the Duolingo one, but like what are the ones that elicited a strong emotional reaction in, in you that you genuinely thought, that's brilliant, I wish yeah. I had done that? So there's one idea and unfortunately I can't remember who did it. So maybe you would have seen it and 
you know, be able to help here. But there was something along the lines of like a company or a brand or something, maybe it was a postal service, releasing stamps with like animals on it. And the animals, like the number of animals on the stamp was basically like how many were kind of alive, you know, in the population today. And basically the fewer the animals, the more, you know, likely they were to become extinct. Mm -hmm. So maybe you would have like one, like, I don't know, rhinoceros or something, which means that there's only like a hundred left in in the world or something like that. And yeah, I, I really like that because at the time, I think maybe some more people have kind of been doing this now, but at the time it, it felt original and I hadn't seen anything like that before. And it goes back to, it, it made me feel something. It made me think, oh, like, wow, like, okay, hmm. these animals are, are kind of going extinct. And it made me think as well, you know, so I, I think it fit that criteria earlier on when I said, you know, creativity, originality, um, evoking kind of an emotion and then just kind of making you think. And I feel like it ticked those three things off the box there for me. Um have you have you both seen that campaign? Are you yeah. aware of what I'm talking no, about? No, I, I have or? seen it. And funnily enough, we're talking about formats and things like that. But after I saw that campaign, I remember like doing a brief for another uh, another client and sort of thinking, oh, we could do something with stamps. But, you know, it kind of gets <laughs> in your head. So that's like the worst use of yeah, creativity. Yeah. It's like, we got to do something with stamps because that's quite cool. And I'm, I'm guessing tons of other agencies thought that way. But it's powerful because it's just taking a message and rather than just exactly. listing out yeah. like, oh, here's here's some animals and like how many are many in the wild it's it's presenting it in a new way a creative way like the information might be new to people but it's not hugely new we know animal like certain populations are going extinct but actually presenting it in a new way is really powerful so i think that's a great example it's interesting as well because i i actually don't know that campaign that you've referenced but when you were talking about it i was like oh that's actually quite similar to a lacoste campaign where you know lacoste have the um crocodile or alligator yes. on the as their embroidered logo they did a version where it was like i, I assume because a crocodile or alligator might be endangered but other endangered animals that they they had instead and it was so making the same point like and so it's interesting because like both of those ideas sound great they're both i would argue to say really creative you wouldn't say like oh lacoste has ripped off that person or but it, you you can see how yeah. like where you say like oh there's no original I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's even possible to have like an original idea because even though you haven't purposely copied someone, they'll, it's the, I guess it's the way the human brain functions. And you, like you said, you want to fix a problem, you want to highlight something. So how can you use your brand to do that? And you can see how kind of ideas kind of converge on like on each other and, and overlap. Yeah, I mean, if you've got an idea, someone else has probably had that idea before, like yeah. for sure. But I think perhaps you would go about it in a different way and maybe execute it in a different way. And I think if you're coming up with ideas and you've maybe seen someone do something similar before, I wouldn't be put off of that. I would just think, you know, can you do it in a different way? Can you execute it in a different way? And I just wouldn't like, you know, outright copy or plagiarize it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair. Another idea that I really liked, um, I can't remember when it was, but it was called Doppelganger Destinations. And it was done by a German rail network. And what it was is it showed a photo of like this uh, beautiful like landscape, like in another country and the cost to kind of fly there. And then it showed that exact or, or the, that landscape that looked almost exactly like that, but found in Germany. And then I think it had the price of the German rail fare to that destination. And they That's kind cool. of like replicated that across different uh, landscapes around the world. And it was just kind of, Again, I really like that. I hadn't seen anything like that before, 
uh, it made me think, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. So it made me feel something. And then it made me think, and I would imagine if you lived in Germany, think like, oh, I don't need to kind of go and fly all that, all that way to go and see that amazing landscape when actually you could kind of see it in Germany for a lot less, were, you know, using their rail fare. So I don't know if either of you had seen that campaign. I hadn't, but it does remind me, and I'm not just promoting ourselves here, but do you remember ages ago we did a, a similar thing where we were working for like a UK hotel brand and we looked at beaches because in the summer, like a lot of people use their hotels understandably to get to like beach yeah. destinations. So rather than kind of the idea behind it was rather than like flying, almost identical, but it's like it ended up with the story like, oh, you won't believe these beaches are in Wales or Scotland and they look like they were yeah. in the Caribbean or, you know, sort of like Africa somewhere looked absolutely like amazing. And it's, I love the idea because it's, it's so deceptively simple and it's just, it's asking people to see things in a, in a slightly different way, just like really, yeah. And also like just perfect brand link up with like a train company promoting, you know, what I guess they would cast as like a staycation and all that kind of stuff. Like just makes perfect yeah. sense why they would do it. It ticked like all the boxes for me. And I think, you know, I think it is rare to kind of see those type of campaigns. And okay, it's not in PR or digital PR, but um, but yeah, when I do see them, like, you know, I really like them. Nice. On the German rail network, just quickly before we move on, I'm pretty certain I could be wrong, but didn't we share the campaign on one of our Slack channels that I'm sure it was the German rail network who realised that people were kind of like stressed out at a particular time when oh, things get this. busy and they actually made the rail tickets for a limited time. They were like edible with um, like TH, not THC, but like <laughs> CBD oil. CBD oil, yeah. that's it. So like they basically chilled people out so you could eat them. They were essentially like little edibles. So we need to find out, I don't know if it's you, Mark, who's actually doing PR for the German rail network. We need to find out who <laughs> is because they're geniuses. I think that's what we've discovered, like genuinely brilliant. That's that's funny, yeah. That's yeah. that's great, that. Yeah, it was really good. I wonder if anyone would actually eat them. Like, would you eat your train ticket? Well, like, I know. What, what I was happens like, if you do it before the journey? Like... And also, even if it's after the journey, it's gone through all those machines. Like, you know, they're the tickets yeah. that go through the machine. I mean... I'd eat it. You know. <laughs> I'd definitely eat it. And I'd also put in one that was like proper sort of, you know... High dose. Yeah, high dose. <laughs> Magic mushrooms. Like a prop, it's yeah. just like there's one in the system. <laughs> yeah, and you'd get on the train, you'd be like, whoa. Absolutely off your tits. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like... If you're worried about eating it, by the time you've eaten it and it's taken effect, you're not going to worry about the no. fact that you've eaten it. You haven't got a care in the world. No. And you're no. just on a yeah. train, nice sort yeah. of safe, cosy German train going to, <laughs> I don't know, fun. the Black Forest. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I've got some I ideas mean, for you. Steve has some for you, actually. <laughs> I was so excited to meet you. I came up with a few. I mean, it's perhaps ill-founded move, um, but we've kind of I decided... I haven't heard them yet, but I love them all already. Well, that's very kind of you, but I want, I genuinely want your honest opinions because these are genuine ideas that have come out of my brain. Um, And it's kind of, we're going to introduce a bit of a regular slot, I think, to test our guests' credentials. Obviously for you, it's it's creativity and creative ideas. So I'm going to elevate a pitch you three creative ideas. What do you think of them and how would you improve them? So the first one, um, I know you're a huge fan. We haven't really touched on dream jobs, but I know you absolutely love them. You think they're the most creative thing going. So um, dream job, sock smeller. For the right fashion brand, we'll advertise for and hire someone to come and sniff your socks to ascertain whether they're clean enough to wear that day or whether they need a wash. I, I think that that's actually, no, I think that's quite funny. Yeah. That would definitely work. And 
I don't know with with the with dream job campaigns. Like I don't really have like a no. Some people hate them. I don't mm. really feel that way about them. Um, but I, I, what I do dislike about it is like I'll give you an example. I was reading something somewhere the other day. I want to say it was like case studies, and someone was explaining how many links they'd built. Mm. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what campaign they did. So I'm reading like all the all the coverage they got. Like it was on TV. How many links they got? And I read it. It's like we did a dream job campaign. And I'm just like, you know, I kind of facepalmed a little bit because I was like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, wasn't kind of what I was hoping or expecting. But in terms of this, you know, did you call it a sock sniffer or? I, I, I went for sock smeller. I did um, I did sock sort of smeller. toy with the idea of saying, calling sniffer, but I think sock smeller. Sock smeller. I, I like it. Mm. I, don't, I don't dislike it. I, I think it will work. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you just have to make sure that, you put whoever was through it, like, you know, through some vigorous kind of tests to make sure that they can, they have a good sense of smell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I someone would also with a foot fetish. To know, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I didn't think it's about It's going to do well in a certain be type of niche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, it would just be interesting to know at what point, like, does a sock become, you know, able to wear again or not? Like, is it after the third hour of wearing it or the fourth hour? Like, you know, I would have the socks uh, smeller, like doing it, like smelling it every half an hour, actually, to work out at what point it's no longer acceptable to wear anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to make a note of that. It's a yeah, lovely, build. lovely build. Lovely um, build. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on dream jobs, by the way. Um, I just thought I'd mention that. I think um, I think they're, they're like they can be and work really, really well. But, I, you know, there's coming back to what we were saying earlier, it's probably like a saturation point. But anyway, I've got two more ideas yeah. for you. The second one is really just, well, in fact, the next two are like, I think you're absolutely going to love. So the second one is called Danny Detrito. So you're in the business of selling Christmas trees. But imagine just for a second that for one lucky Christmas tree purchaser, they get Hollywood actor Danny DeVito to erect and decorate their tree as well as stand guard beside it all Christmas long, making kind of wise cracks and cleaning up tree needles. So essentially, I started with, I'm going to tell you my process here, I started with the Danny DeTrito pun and I worked backwards from there. What do you yeah. think? <laughs> you couldn't tell. You really no, couldn't yeah, tell. I mean, it's a funny. seamless idea. Yeah, yeah, it's almost yeah, like yeah. you gave me the brief and I came up with it. That's, that's high-level creative work that requires payment. <laughs> I think, you know, something like that would work as well because, mm. <laughs> you know, if you, if you get someone famous on board that is going to get picked up potentially within, you know, publications that write about celebs or kind of showbiz and things like that and... You know, you have, you know, if I if I do say so myself, like an amazing pun to kind of go with that there. Mm. So I think the pun alone is just going to get the coverage for you there, like just rolling in. I agree. And also, like, you know, there's a lot of Danny DeVito blogs and fan sites on the internet, like tons of them. So we get covered in all of them. Yeah. High authority. we got Probably one final straight idea. straight on the Reddit category yeah. though. Uh, yeah. Exactly that. we got one final idea though. I think this is the best one. It's called Lion Bars. Now, you're fondly remembered... <laughs> Um, for the time you were shown on TV at an England game wearing a football shirt, or I think it was just a T-shirt with three actual Lion chocolate bars sellotaped to it. But the World Cup is coming up, Mark, and I know what you're thinking. How can you take it a stage further? So we'll create a pop-up bar showing all the football, but the twist is that it's entirely staffed by actual Lions. So they're pulling the pints, dealing with security issues, having to turn on the TV, which obviously could be a bit of a challenge. They don't have opposable thumbs, but actual Lion bars. Can you imagine the pictures, the video? Um, I'm, I'm not like an influx of Lions, but I'm talking like three, four behind a sort of a pop-up bar. And you've got like proper pints, you know, a nice pint of Beaver Town or... 
you know what yeah, do you reckon i think i think that you might get some legal issues with that one but mm. i reckon if you just dressed everyone up as like lions that that could potentially work like but i'm not gonna have three people working at the bar mark I'm, i can't stress this enough i'm not gonna do it unless they're actual lions because I feel like it just waters down the idea it's got there's got to be an element of peril <laughs> no, 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 and what I'm thinking there. is drunk oh, yeah. people watching I don't know England versus USA or whatever and then just the element of danger that at any point a lion could pounce over the bar and maul them you know that's that's <laughs> that's PR Nirvana I mean if England are having a bad you know World Cup that might actually just help fans you know put them out of their misery because you know they've been playing really boring football when they have been playing like recently mm. so um yeah I, I don't want to say it's a bad idea you know so you're being I'm not so gonna diplomatic say that. i mean this has given me flashbacks <laughs> of when clients suggest ideas themselves and you have to really think about how you <laughs> respond back yeah 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 <laughs> you're being so polite like, mark yeah we could be like yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put that one down. Yeah, like, yeah. No. Oh, lion bars, you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll look into the possibility of lions. Um, I think we've got one final question for you, and then yeah. um, we're going to wrap up. So each episode is obviously going to be about different parts of the digital PR industry. In general, is there anything that you would like to see more of in the digital PR industry? And what do you want to see less of? Now, this can be about ideas. This can be about creativity. It can be about people doing annoying stuff on Twitter. What do you like and want to see more and what do you want to bin off? I guess within agencies especially, I think as it's kind of growing, I feel like people are kind of taking roles with a bit more, um, you know, just focusing on one thing. Maybe you just do outreach or maybe someone is just pitching or maybe someone is kind of doing just ideas. And I would like to see people more doing you know a little bit of all of those things and I think that that's how you're going to kind of improve if you kind of know the whole process because if you're stuck just doing outreach um, maybe you're not going to get an idea of why you're doing a campaign or the reason behind it or the the limitations perhaps with the the asset that that you've chosen to use or do or whatever and I think you're going to be a you know, just a, a better kind of digital PR overall if you're able to be encompassed, you know, in the, in the full kind of spectrum of, of it all. So, yeah, I guess I, could, I would say I'd like to see more of that. On a separate point, which doesn't really answer the question, but I, I think that when it comes to the work that we do, I think we need to just be mindful of the fact that, you know, it is in the public domain with whatever it is that we do. And when I say public domain, I mean, we're not just putting it on like, a, you know, a little corner of the Internet. These are going, we're pitching some of the, you know, most authoritative websites basically in the world, the most viewed websites, um, you know, news publications, etc. And sometimes I think um, it's good to celebrate, you know, people's campaigns that have worked, you know, worked really well. But at the same time, um, I think we can also maybe be, I would like to see us maybe be a little bit more, be able to speak more freely about things and be a little bit critical about campaigns that maybe aren't so good. And that doesn't mean like calling people out or agencies out or anything like that. But if something is done kind of like, you know, subjectively maybe not good or maybe, you know, it's okay to kind of have those conversations around that or how did you get the data for that or, or whatever, because this is how we all learn. And if you're not having those conversations, then then I think it can prevent the 
you know, prevent you from learning, basically. If that makes sense. Yeah. It does. I also think, yeah, if, if you are if you are putting stuff out there because you want to get, I guess, because you're proud of it, but also you want to maybe get the benefit of people knowing that you do good work and all that kind of stuff, like you are going to invite an element of critique. And yeah, you, that doesn't have to be horrible trolling. Like you don't want that. But yeah, I think it's a fair question to be able to show your workings or, you know, maybe if someone isn't such a fan of it, being able to take on yeah. that. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for joining us. Yeah. I think that kind of concludes episode one. You've been amazing talking about creativity, how your brain works, how you think others' brains work, listening to my ideas. <laughs> it's been a genuine pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, if people want to find out more about your digital PR course, where should they go? So I, as we're on the topic of creativity, you know, I came up with a really creative name for it. So it's called the Digital PR Course, and you can find it on digitalprcourse.com. Um, what a URL. Done that yeah, is you. creativity. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then for myself and Steve, for people listening, if you do have any feedback or um, questions that you want us to pose to future guests, then you can contact us on Twitter. Steve's handle is Steve Baker 83 and mine is Louise V. Parker. Thank you, Mark Rofe. Uh, and speak to people soon. See you we soon. We will. Thank you again, Mark. Absolute pleasure to meet you yeah, and speak to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and both of you too. Thanks. Thanks.